0: Welcome to Devotions in the Deep End. I'm Cam Buchanan, and this is a carefully crafted devotional journey through the New Testament. Let's venture into deeper water as we consider what it means to follow Jesus in the world we live in now. Welcome back to Devotions in the Deep End. In the last episode, we looked at the main message of Jesus which was summed up in one loaded sentence. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In this episode, we will look at what happens immediately after. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen, who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deeper water, and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. left everything, and followed him. Out of all the accounts of this event, Luke seems to have the most detail, and what he records is actually pretty special. It starts with a crowd. Jesus has made a strong appearance at Nazareth, and has set up camp further north at Capernaum. He has been preaching a pretty strong message about the kingdom of God, and a crowd has formed to hang off everything he says. As he walks into the little village of Gennesaret, and the patch of the Sea of Galilee which washes up along that part, it's no different. The crowd comes out of the woodwork yet again. In this case, it becomes necessary to get some space between himself and the crowd, and a small fishing boat makes for the perfect platform. From there, he could use the acoustic carry of the water and the uphill slope from the shore as a natural sound shelter as he taught the gathered crowd. But it's a story from verse 4 onwards that Luke and the other synoptic writers clearly want the reader to hone in on. You see, there would always be crowds. Some hostile, but most incredibly warm and receptive to everything he says. Crowds would come, and when things got tough, those same crowds would leave. Crowds would embrace him, and they would just as soon reject him too. But there were those who stepped out of the crowd. And the New Testament gives them a very special title disciples. This passage introduces us to the first of these. As we explore this passage, we are going to see what Jesus is looking for in this new breed of followers. What separates them from the rest of the crowd? And as we extend that concept a few generations, what separates us from the crowd as well? First, we see disciples embrace the inconvenient way of the kingdom. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were getting ready to finish their time at work. They were washing their nets because it was coming up for finishing time, and it was a hard time for them too because their night's endeavors had been unproductive. There is nothing like doing a night shift and clocking off with the feeling that you accomplished nothing during your shift. But just as they get their nets folded up and start thinking about resting, they hear the commotion. Jesus is walking along the shore, and a massive crowd is right behind him. Their clock-off time gets delayed when Peter is asked to push his boat out a little bit so Jesus can preach. And I'm pretty certain this wasn't a standard Australian church sermon. It almost certainly wasn't a nice, tidy 30-minute homily. This would have taken a fair bit of time, captivating all the way, but still longer than what you and I might be used to. And then following that, there was the second fishing trip, with their new passenger claiming to be an expert. Now imagine someone walking into your workplace who wasn't qualified to do what you do, but feels they can show you a more productive way to do your job. Now imagine Jesus. He was a carpenter from a town 30 kilometers from the beach. He wasn't a seaside local, and he certainly wasn't a fisherman. Everything in Peter's human understanding was groaning at the thought of another ouching at sea and perhaps amused or even annoyed at this guy's perceived ignorance. Fishing was a night job, not a day job. Getting out there mid-morning, that was going to be a flop. But there was another part of Peter that made him stop and think. He too had gotten caught up in the teaching of this man of God. And as the helmsman of this floating stage, he would have caught every word from Jesus that day. He was becoming increasingly aware that this rabbi was quite special. And it wasn't every day a special rabbi jumped into your humble fishing boat. We can see this in his attitude as he responds to Jesus. I'm the expert. I've got it all worked out. Yet I did it my way and indeed the right way. And I'm empty-handed right now. Even though all of me wants my bed and all of me questions the method, I can't ignore you. Because it's you asking Jesus, I will go and do the inconvenient thing. And here we see a key principle for discipleship. Disciples put Jesus first and personal convenience second. It's not always convenient to serve Jesus. This kingdom of God had an agenda greater than the agenda of man. It was in human terms a somewhat inconvenient gospel. But it's often the very thing Jesus asks his disciples to do. Not because he wants us to live in constant inconvenience, but because he uses these times to grow us, to show us more of who he is and to show us what he can do by blessing our obedience. Disciples don't live by convenience, but by obedience. And there is blessing and significant growth that comes when we choose that sort of life. Next, disciples drop their guard and allow themselves to be captivated by Jesus. Peter is a hardened guy. He's a tough guy, a hard worker, a hard player. He's competitive and driven. He has that tough exterior with a limited range of emotion. I can certainly relate to a man like that, and I know I'm not alone in feeling that way. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be moved, particularly when coming into the presence of Jesus. Peter has spent the night doing his thing and has come up empty-handed and heartbroken at the end. He's now doing the same thing again, but this time at an inconvenient time and at the insistence of an inconvenient man. But the inconvenience has paid off and his boat and others have suddenly been inundated with fish. And it's here that the full realization of all this hits Peter. Just think of what he's seen so far. A rabbi spends time teaching the things of God in the most profound, relatable and attractive way he had ever heard. Immediately after that, this rabbi knew the exact timing and coordinates of the largest haul of fish this expert had ever seen. Any fisherman, even today, would be able to tell you just how freakish this incident would have been. And this moment was not lost on Peter. In fact, the whole experience brings Peter to his knees. It's not a rabbi or a teacher in the boat with him anymore. This must be someone more. Perhaps someone even divine. Someone that made him stop and realize his own sinfulness and emptiness. Someone that made him see his pride and arrogance and his desire to see his life amount to more than what he currently knew. Someone that made him for the first time in a long time consider his frail state in the eyes of his perfect God. And it was also someone that was looking past Peter's failure and seeing his potential. This was someone with a clear sense of heavenly authority who for some reason was not aloof, afraid, or ashamed to be in the same boat as an arrogant and proud fisherman. Here's a desirable trait of an eager disciple. They get captivated by how loving, grace-filled, and close Jesus is, and how open Jesus is to intimately involving himself with us. This is a source of true amazement, not just a casual acknowledgement. This is a captivation that brings tough guys to their knees with complete disregard to those who might be watching. The significance of Jesus intervening in his life at that time was not lost on Peter that day, and it should not get lost on us either. Disciples grasp the massive dimensions of the glorious love and nature of God. It astonishes them. It amazes them all the time. And third. Disciples let Jesus transform their ordinary way into something extraordinary. These four men have just seen a massive miracle occur. It's truly amazing to their experienced eyes. And they have come to a deep realization that they are needing to come to grips with their wayward lives. Both in their lifestyle and choices, but also in their purpose. And it's at this point that Jesus makes an amazing offer to these men. Follow me. Let me make you fishers of men. What does that mean here? Well, Jesus says this. Let me use you for my glory and my purpose. And let me work with you just the way you are. Don't become a carpenter like me. Keep being a fisherman, but give full access to me. Let me take the skills you already have and the perception and understanding of life you already have and filter them through a purpose and outlook provided by me. Once you fished for yourself and your pocket. Now you'll fish with an even greater cause, the hearts of men captured for the glory of God. And the reaction of these soon-to-be disciples? They immediately dropped their old life and walked after Jesus. This was a picture of leaving the old behind and having an undivided heart towards the things of Jesus. It's like the old song from years ago, the world behind them, the Lord and eventually the cross. Before them. Now, in reality, did they give away or scuttle their boats? I honestly don't think so. For one thing, they were still able to use them after Jesus' death, and they probably used them a lot to get around the Sea of Galilee. There was a lot of travel over that lake in the Gospels. But on that day, they made their single cause the one that mattered the most to Christ, and as a result, they saw far greater things occur in their life than a mere good day of fishing and a full esky of fish. It has often been suggested these four guys would have been the B team for any other rabbi. Galileans were simply not sought out as students. They had what was considered a little too much outside influence with Syrians and other Gentile groups, and this affected their language, their education, and even their godliness. They would have been overlooked by any other rabbi because they just would not cut it as future rabbi prospects. Well, overlooked by any other rabbi but Jesus. We see here that Jesus was looking for a special breed of disciple. They didn't have to be able. They had to be available. The drop the nets and follow right now sort of available. In fact, later on, we'll see that Jesus was quite harsh about those who wanted to delay their availability to him. Something about let the dead bury the dead. They didn't have to fit the educational mold others sought. They just needed to be ready and willing to learn now. In fact, the religious and worldly education would have required unlearning before Jesus could do anything with them. It's true what Paul said to the Corinthians. Knowledge puffs up egos, while love builds up real people. The fact that they didn't have much in the Jewish religious education department made them humble enough to learn it Jesus' way with ease. And they didn't have to have it all together. Jesus stepped into Peter's boat despite his imperfection but if they could muscle through the inconveniences that following Jesus might bring about, and if they could continually walk in amazement at who Jesus truly was, and if they could dare to believe in their own usefulness in the hand of Jesus, despite their apparent lack of qualification, they would be the ones who could emerge from the crowd and become the world-changing disciples that Jesus was looking for. There's an old preacher line that is worth repeating here. Jesus doesn't choose the qualified, he qualifies the chosen. This was true that day in Peter's boat, and it remains true today. Let's finish this episode with a word of prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for your call to follow, and that you didn't wait for me to somehow be qualified before you made that call to me. I embrace the inconvenient kingdom, and I choose to allow my life to be driven by its agenda, not my own. I lean into the process of learning about you. Help me to be captivated afresh at just how amazing you are. Help me to see you for who you really are, and I am fully open to being brought to my knees in surrender to you. Please take my life and my talents and my skills and let all of these things be used for your glory. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. To stay in touch, like our devotions in the Deep End Facebook page and subscribe on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I look forward to catching up next time.